Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. It is Indigenous Peoples Day today. And because we want to honor and celebrate our friends who have Native heritage and so many of our friends who are learning a lot about First Nations people, we have a really special show in store today. Before we dive into today's conversation, though, a word from one of our incredible sponsors, BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easier for me to focus on what's going wrong and the problems I'm facing rather than focusing on solving the problems. I think it's part of human nature, but we can probably agree that it's not the most constructive approach. I mean, the only way out is through, right? If you find yourself needing a nudge toward the problem-solving perspective you're looking for, a therapist can definitely help provide that. And BetterHelp is a great option if you're looking to connect with a therapist. See, whether the challenges you face are stress-related or relational in nature, maybe you're dealing with anxiety or things from your past are holding you back, a therapist can help you walk through the process of healing. I am so, so grateful for the support and perspective my counselor has provided over the years. BetterHelp will match you with a licensed professional counselor after you fill out a brief survey. We love a quiz. They want you to have a great match, so they make it easy to switch therapists if you need to. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there, you guys. So visit BetterHelp.com slash That Sounds Fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. And if you're not sure you caught that whole URL, do not fret. We have got all the links to all of our sponsors, the transcript of the show, even a place where you can sign up to get an email from me every Friday. Those are all in the show notes below. And today on the show, I get to talk with, oh my gosh, one of my absolute heroes for many of y'all too, Richard Foster and his friend and a lovely pastor, Brenda Quinn. My introduction to Richard Foster, probably like many of you, was way back in my college years through his best-selling book, Celebration of Discipline. We talked about that a ton around here when we talked about fasting and prayer. I mean, this book is like a staple in probably your bookshelf and mine. But he is also the author of several other books and the founder 
founder of Renovare, a nonprofit whose mission is to help people become more like Jesus. In on that goal, right? And Brenda Quinn is a pastor of spiritual formation in the Foursquare Church and a writer as well. So they are joining me today as Richard has embarked on a beautiful project, an incredible book called Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for a Vanishing Virtue. So the reason I wanted to bring them on today on Indigenous Peoples Day is when this book came across my desk, I thought, this is fascinating and really interesting because he shaped the book. The practice of the whole book of humility is centered around and rooted around the Lakota moon calendar. And the reason why is fascinating. So I found it really beautiful. And I learned so much about the Lakota nation through this book and a lot about humility that was really um convicting. So wanted to share all of it with you, my friends, wanted to share all of it. So here's my conversation with Brenda Quinn and Richard Foster. Richard Foster, Brenda Quinn, welcome to That Sounds Fun. I'm so glad to have y'all here. (laughs) It sounds like a wonderful program. (laughs) with that title. Yeah, that's right. We're going to try. So Richard, will you, for starters, will you kind of introduce us to Brenda and tell us about her joining us today? Well, as I was writing this book, Learning Humility, there was five or six readers that I had just, you know, giving some ideas. And Brenda just kept giving this massive a wonderful, profound information. And uh, Brenda's a pastor at a church in uh, South Denver, uh, pastor of spiritual formation. And so I thought, oh my, when we get, if we ever get a book, it would be wonderful if we could do this together, this kind of thing with you, Annie. I'm fortunate that she can uh, share on this topic. Yeah. Brenda, how did you become friends with Richard Foster? (laughs) I mean, was that as wild to you as it is to me? (laughs) Well, this this is a pretty crazy story. I I first became acquainted with who he is and was when I was living out in L.A. After college, I lived in, in L.A. for a few years and was working at World Vision, and he came and spoke at our chapels a couple times. And I first heard about the book Celebration of Discipline, went out to a used bookstore and bought this little tiny green copy that that somehow ended up in L.A. from London, (laughs) and read it and loved it, and um, started getting in touch with Renovari and got on a list to get newsletters and things like that, and then um, eventually ended up moving back to Denver and happened to come... I think the same summer that Renovari moved to Denver from Wichita. And I think I had learned about that move of Renovari through the newsletters that I'd been receiving. And so I didn't have a job when I moved back here, just came back home to where I, where I grew up here. And um, so went to visit Renovari thinking, well, wow, maybe, you know, I was doing writing and editing at the time and thought that maybe I could get a job with Renovari. And turned out their office was too small and they didn't need anybody. But Richard wrote me back a really (laughs) nice letter. And I ended up becoming friends with several people on the staff and following their conferences and going to conferences and just building relationships and got into a spiritual formation group. And so I don't even know exactly how we became friends through that process. But yeah, it was over many years having great contact with the organization. Yeah. So, Richard, will you tell us a little bit about what Renovari is? 
Renovare is a Latin word meaning to give new life. That's all. Paul, uh, when he wrote, saying, Outwardly, we are wasting away, but inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And that word renewed is renovare, renovate, would be the English. And uh, it's a funny story how that came about. That name, I tried about 50 different names. I didn't like any of them. And uh, my wife, Carolyn, said, well, what is new life? What's renewal in Greek or Latin? The Greek was a little complicated, but the Latin. So I went to a little uh, Catholic college and went to the sister at the library who was in charge and asked for the Vulgate. That's the Latin Bible. And she came back. She says, we don't get many requests for this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I looked up every passage in the New Testament that used the word renovare. And uh, that passage in Corinthians, outwardly we're wasting away. That's honest. But inwardly we are being renovated day by day. So I began, I gathered a little ragtag group and uh, I mean we didn't we didn't own anything well we started out with God and a laser printer that was it and uh, <laughs> so uh, we've had a good a good ride just being around people as uh, one of our team members said let's see if we can this is an Old Testament reference light the tales of the foxes and let them go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that's what we've been trying to do these years. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. As I was reading Learning Humility, your new book that's coming out, I was really, one of the things that took me aback or kind of like I felt really inspired by is you seem, Richard, did, you're just curious all the time. Like it feels like as you were journaling through for that year, you're just kind of chasing foxes a little bit, just kind of like, well, if that word means this, then it's going to be here. And if and, and, and when I'm hiking and I see this, that means this. It, do, have you cultivated curiosity or is that natural in you? Uh, that's one of the great needs in our day today. So yes, I have tried to cultivate slowing down, looking, the slower... I walk, the more I see. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and our reading, too. Yeah. You know, when I used to teach at the university, of course, all the students had learned how to speed read. So I had to teach them how to just take a passage, think of the wonderful words of Jean-Pierre de Cussade when he said, the soul light as a feather, fluid as water, innocent as a child, responds to every movement of grace like a floating balloon. Wow. And just have them live with that for uh, 
four or five months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that once. I mean, that's what you did in the book. There's a prayer that you write towards the beginning, but then you loop around to it again at the end. Purify my heart, renew my mind, sanctify my imagination, and enlarge my soul. And so that feels like the same thing you're saying yes. of like, we can focus on just those four things, maybe for the rest of our lives, if we get curious enough. Exactly. Does that feel true? Okay. Uh, and I still use that prayer. I thought I was... You know, just for this one period. But no, it's still lived. Lord, purify my heart. Renew my mind. Sanctify my imagination. Enlarge my soul. Brenda, I bet you've seen uh, that kind of thing in pastoral work. People learning to purify the heart. Renew the mind sanctify the imagination and enlarge our soul what do you think yeah well i think that if we slow down enough we we pursue those things i think and i think that's that's what's key is slowing ourselves down enough to focus on those things to allow god to do that work inside of us and for us to to listen and to be aware and to be um a part uh, you know, an active part of what he's doing in us. I think that's always the challenge is helping helping people to slow down enough to to really not be afraid of those words, you know, not be afraid of a prayer like that because it can be a little bit intimidating. But but to say God takes us right where we are, He helps us start right where we are, and He's faithful at doing the work in us when we're available to Him. Exactly. Uh, one writer said. Pray as you can, not as you can't. Wow. I mean, when I started out, I was always trying to pray like I can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'd read that John Wesley was up at 4 a.m. praying, and so I'd, I'd get up at 4 a.m. And I kept falling asleep. <laughs> so I would stand up against a wall. You know you can fall asleep standing against the wall? <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I had to learn that, no, I pray that fits me. For example, I like to pray with a cup of coffee in my hands because the warmth of the cup uh, brings a kind of warmth to me. It slows me down. I can sip on the coffee and drink, and then I pray, Uh, come into my life and let me drink in to to thy great life. So, very simple. I love that. I think one of the pressures people feel, particularly around prayer, is the pressure of, if I'm not doing it right, God will not respond. (laughs) One time, this is many years ago, I decided I wasn't going to pray until I had all of my motives sorted out. Now, it it's, might be a nice impulse, but it, it absolutely freezes the ability to pray. Wow. <laughs> we learn to come with all of who we are, our mixed motives, if you will, mm-hmm. because uh, with God, that's part of the way these things get sorted out. Yeah, Brenda, will you talk about that? That does feel so true that like we can bring our mixed motives because that's where the Lord really gets to work on us. 
Yeah, you know, I this is one thing I've so appreciated about Richard and his writing. I, I know it's very true in Celebration of Discipline, but all of his books, um, he's been he's been such a helpful and just he's just really blessed me in that always in his writing, you know, we all, always think of Richard Foster as this like, boy, if I could get as far along on the on the road of spirituality where as he yeah. is, that would be amazing. But I, if you really begin reading Richard, he's always giving the freedom, be who you are, come to God as you are. That's, he loves you as you are. And that's, that's the starting point. He doesn't want you anywhere else than where you are. And it's okay. It's okay to, to be who you are. It's okay. It's okay to feel like I'm not even, I'm not even fully wanting to be here. I, yeah. you know, I'm, I haven't had all my sins forgiven yet. You know, we, we have all these reasons to keep us away from him. And I've so appreciated. And I think just in reading Richard's writing, I've really come to accept that it's true. God really wants me just as I am. And he's taking me from there and he will work with me if my desire is there or even partway there. Yeah. Even partway there. That's the trick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Richard, I mean, I, speaking of your writing, I didn't realize until I read Learning Humility that Celebration of Discipline was your first book that was published. Is that true? Did I get my research correct? Yes, it's the first one that was published. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I understand that. <laughs> I have half a dozen uh, back there that are unpublished. I'm teasing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was the first book. Yeah, and listen, the unpublished <laughs> ones are the ones that people love, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I uh, the the uh, the publisher had asked me to write on a particular subject before humility, and I worked on it. I read forty books or so. Finally, decided that uh, I didn't have anything of value to say on that subject, and so they were very kind and let me wait and wait and wait, and lo and behold learning humility came out of that process of turning down another project for which I really didn't have much to say and waiting, waiting for this to emerge. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Chime. Okay, be honest, what's the very first thing you do when you wake up? Is it checking up on your credit score? No, I did not think so. But even if your credit score isn't the first thing on your mind, it should be on someone's mind. At Chime, that's exactly what they do. With their secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start to build credit with your own money. Chime reports your payments to credit bureaus to help you build credit over time. Their members see an increase of 30 points on average, and all of this with no annual fees, large security deposits or credit checks to apply. So start your credit journey with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. So get started at Chime.com slash that sounds fun. That's Chime.com slash that sounds fun. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA pursuant to a license from Visa USA. Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact score may vary and some user score may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. And I have one more amazing partner to tell you about, Stamps.com. 
As soon as October hits, I always feel like we are on a fast track to the holidays, right? They have a way of sneaking up on us, don't they? If you own a small business like ours, you know how chaotic November and December can get. So it always pays to get ahead of the craziness, right? We do not have time to spend waiting in line at the post office. Luckily, Stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's the 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all of your shipping and mailing needs. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. Get access to the USPS and the UPS services you need to run your business, but you don't have to go there. Do it all right from your computer with inflation on the rise. Every dollar counts, you guys. And that's why the major discounts on USPS and UPS rates. We're talking like 86% off, y'all. It's such a benefit of Stamps.com. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code That Sounds Fun for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page and enter the code That Sounds Fun. And now back to our conversation with Brenda and Richard. Yeah, will you kind of tell us a little bit, I mean, thinking about learning humility, will you kind of lay the groundwork of what made you decide to write about humility and how you based it around the Lakota calendar? I think that's really interesting. Will you kind of tell us the background of this book? First, I was watching culturally, and I'd known enough to know that in what's called virtue ethics, that uh, humility for centuries has been the very basic of the virtues that leads us into all the others. And I saw that for centuries in the writings, until our century. Yeah. When the tradition began to disappear. And I would watch and see uh, narcissism, arrogance, egocentric, you know, stuff rising up. And the idea of humility just dropping away. So I began to think about it. And it actually, it was a New Year's Eve. And I was thinking about New Year's Eve resolution. Should I do that? I don't like these things because, <laughs> you know, they, la- they last about two weeks or right. two and a half at the most. <laughs> and uh, then... There was that sense, you know, of the Debar Yahweh, the word of the Lord. Learn humility. That was it. And I thought, I think that's for me. Wow. And uh, someone had given me a, as a gift, a New Year's uh, a journal, you know, to write in. And uh, bright red. I don't like red books, but I, okay. So I just begin taking odd notes. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to write about this uh, and use a kind of a journal form, uh, I, it would be really nice to use not our Latin calendar, you know, January, February, March, but a more colorful calendar. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, part of part of my own background is Native American, even though I don't look it. But uh, Ojibwa, Chippewa, they would say many places in the world. But I looked at the Lakota, the Lakota calendar, 
and found that just attractive to me. Yeah. I looked maybe at a dozen different calendars. but And then, as I began working with this, I saw that the Lakota people uh, had a, their virtues, the 12 virtues, Lakota virtues, the first one, the first one is humility. Wow. And it's an oral tradition, you see. So they would uh, wrap it around stories. And I began reading some of those books and thought, oh, that'll be nice. So I used the Lakota calendar and uh, some of the stories, some of the history of Lakota people, which is the uh, north uh, in the uh, north central part of the country. Uh, and I focused on uh, the Black Hills, which was a critical part of Lakota life and culture. And... Uh, so that was, uh, that's how it started. Did you, Very simple. <laughs> when you started, and when you're writing in the Red Journal, all along, were you thinking, I bet this will be the next book I write? Or was this just, this is back to a little bit to my curiosity question. <laughs> is this just what you do every year? Do you have like a thing that you pour yourself into every year? Or did you start on this humility journey with the Lakota calendar thinking, I bet this will end up being a book? I was unsure of it. That's why Brenda came in, because I didn't know this kind of writing. Does it work? Does it help people? I don't know. And I, I didn't say anything for a long time. Uh, and finally, <laughs> this is so cute, I mentioned it to our son, Nathan, mm. uh, that I'm thinking maybe writing about humility and maybe this should be a book and he said oh sure that'll make you famous for sure <laughs> and and i thought at first i thought is smart alec you know i mean that is who in our culture wants to read about a virtue that nobody value or few people value today and then the deeper issue was that humility is a virtue that values anonymity, right? hiddenness. And uh, publishing is about platform. It's about, you know, audience, all those kinds of... So that it's almost an internal contradiction. Yes. And that's really what he was getting at. And, uh, but... Uh, I said, well, let's just see what happens. So I kept writing, and uh, yeah. Brenda, what did you think <laughs> when he brought the idea to you? I, I think I thought, good job, Richard. Once again, you're bringing up a topic that no one else is, and it needs to be. It needs, and and there are few people who could do it who could do it well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that because of the respect that he already has through his writing and. His ministry, it's a topic that Richard, you know, as few people could, can bring up, and we we can receive from him on it. Yeah. And I think, too, just the tie that, that Richard has always had, the importance that he's always placed on the, um, the writers and the leaders of the past, of past eras, you know, past centuries and um, 
from long ago that we that we mostly all have forgotten and don't read mm. anymore and don't don't acknowledge as as leaders in our faith and but Richard has always you know upheld them and said the you know these fathers and mothers of our faith are important and we still need to be reading and we still need to be paying attention and learning from them not just from our own modern authors and leaders um I and so I think for him to look back and say you know why was humility in the past, always such a virtue that that received a lot of attention, and everyone agreed that it was a virtue we wanted to pursue. And what, how have we lost that over time in mm-hmm. these recent years? Richard, I loved how when you're writing about the Lakota people, and you, I mean, you talk about the books you read from them, Brenda. I'm thinking, even, even as you're saying that, he brought so many people, so many writers from the Lakota Nation into this book and quoting them. Richard, will you kind of tell me how you saw the tie between that particular group of First Nations people and humility? Because it's all throughout. I mean, the story of no moccasins is unbelievable, right? So that, I mean, it seems like that tribe is very deeply connected to humility. Absolutely. They are. And because they're an oral people, they just tell stories, mostly, and uh, that book, The Lakota Way, that you reference, um, they start out with that story of no moccasins, which just blew me away. Yes. And and this was a man who, uh, his first language was Lakota, and uh, he later learned English. But boy, he learned it well, because his ability just blows you away. And it's such a such a nice thing yeah. yeah i've met some lakota people and yes see that uh, there's a there's a book i have over here called the indigenous way and uh he talks about being a warrior in the lakota tradition but not a warrior of destruction but a warrior for peace wow isn't that nice yes. yeah yeah yes we don't hear about a lot of those. <laughs> that is not usually what goes along with warrior, <laughs> No, is it? we don't. No. One of the parts of the book that stood out to me so profoundly was when you connected patience or lack of patience with our need for humility. I had never really put together that my pride shows up when I'm tired of waiting in line. But will you talk for a little bit about where patience and humility kind of align? Well, that just the little story of how that that you're referring to. <laughs> My wife does all these phone calls with companies. I tend not to do them. But I did this time. I called the company, and they did the regular thing, you know. Uh, we're glad you call. We value your uh, value you as a customer, and uh, please be patient. Someone will be with you soon. And and then you, our company is the greatest company in the world. And, yeah. <laughs> And uh, then you have this, uh, well, god-awful music, and mm-hmm. and then uh, someone will be with you soon. Well, 20 minutes later, I mean, we go through the loop of this tape, and I finally realized that my patience had given out, and I <laughs> hung up. And that led me to be thinking about humility and patience, the patient person 
is willing to wait. You remember Jesus says, we're to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, right? Now, we all gravitate toward that dove thing. We like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but what's the wisdom of the serpent? It's that the serpent can wait oh, wow. until the time is right to strike. See? Wow. <laughs> and learning to wait. You know that verse, be still and know that I am God. Hmm. Yes. I have never thought about that. I've never thought that the snake is patient. I always thought, I, you know, I think of him like, it, I think of a snake like an Adam and Eve story. So I'm always thinking, why is Jesus <laughs> telling us to be like that? But you're teaching me the better truth that Jesus is saying, be patient till the exact right moment. But the patience, I mean, the my, I, I mean, I've even seen it myself since I finished the book. It's been horrifying, honestly, Richard. You've really kind of ruined my life again, like you did with Celebration of Discipline. But where I'm just going, oh, the reason I don't want to wait is because I think I'm better than the person who's in front of me in line. I think I'm more important. I think what I've got going on is more important than the other people around me. And so I should not have to keep waiting or traffic should get out of my way. And so I've just felt this real conviction since I finished the book of going, man, God, I need to, when I'm waiting in line, I need to be asking you to increase my humility, that I should let someone go in front of me if I'm running late, just for the sake of like crucifying myself. Once in a while, go to the very longest line yeah. and let others go in front of you. It's a great teacher, isn't it? Yeah. like a The anxiety that we have. Yes, it is wild. Brenda, I mean, when you're when you're pastoring people through things, how often do you see impatience being a uh, a factor or a teller or a you know how often are people not practicing patience and therefore other parts of their spiritual life are suffering? Yeah, it's all of us. You know, yeah. it's it's all of us all the time. I you know I think I think about how we often try and identify a discipline that we can practice to try and learn and, and allow God to develop in us what we don't feel we have. And, yeah. you know, how many times have we joked that I'm not going to pray for patience because I don't, I don't right. know what God's going to give me in order to, for that to be, you know, become yes. real in my life. I said it in the kitchen last <laughs> night. I was like, you know what I'm not going to do because of this book is pray for patience. I know better. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I mean, Richard talks about in the book that, that um, two of the important disciplines to help us in the, you know, in the seeking and, and the submitting to humility are solitude and silence. Right. And I think that when we're in, when we're practicing solitude and silence, even even that is is probably a lesson in patience because most people are not real comfortable being in solitude and being silent and having silence around them, you know, not having the background noise, the background music, the news playing or whatever it is. Um, and so I think even those disciplines are, are one more step toward us really realizing our need for patience and then developing that um, in, you know, and along with it, humility. Yes, yes. Richard, did you get a book to read to us from? I'm ready. 
Yeah, well, see, this is this is what I'm writing in these days. Oh, wow, okay. And there's a great naturalist that most people don't uh, know about these days, John Muir. There was just a line I wanted you to hear. He, uh, now he lived a century or more ago. When I discovered a new plant, I sat down beside it for a minute or a day to make its acquaintance and hear what it had to tell. Wow. A minute or a day. Wow. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> what are what's what's the theme of your current journaling? I mean, you don't have to read to us from it. I don't want to make it personal, but I mean, if learning humility is a journal, is a book that came out of you journaling for a year about humility, I'm excited about whatever's next. This is as random and loose <laughs> as it can possibly be oh, about great. everything under the sun. <laughs> That's how mine usually goes, uh, I, too. I, I sure hope it won't be a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. Listen, I'll tell you, my whole small group knows that when I die, there's a $20 bill taped to the top of my tub of journals, and they're supposed to burn them all and buy everything to make s'mores. Like, that's we don't publish journals. <laughs> we do not publish journals. <laughs> s'mores, s'mores is a good thing. That's right. That's right. That's a good, that's a good use of a journal. Listen to this simple phrase that I all I did was write it here a haunting reverence yeah a haunting reverence humility that low sweet root from which all heavenly virtues shoot wow that's not in the book that's not in the new book, but it's just something I jotted down. Nature's softening influence. <laughs> See, the old writers, the old writers said that we're to read two books, the Bible and the book of nature. And learning to read the book of nature is one of the important disciplines today. How do we do it? Yeah. Well, we, we discover a new plant or a flower or a tree, and we sit down for a minute or a or day. Or a day. Or a day. To see what <laughs> I should have known that's what you would say. <laughs> hey, friends, just interrupting one more time to tell you about another amazing partner, Indeed. As a business owner, you've got vision for who that next great addition to your team is going to be, right? The trick is how do you find them? This is happening in my head right now. And so I get it. For a hiring partner that helps you reach new heights, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. If you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality matching candidates the moment they sponsor a job. With virtual interviews, 
use Indeed saves you time. Stamps.com is saving us time. Indeed is saving us time. We ought to be able to get every single thing on our to-do list done with all this extra time, you guys. With the virtual interviews, you can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. It's super easy to connect with your applicants, and there's no need for you to install anything extra on your computer. No need for them to download anything either. It works right from your browser. Just click and talk. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide, including Downs Books, Inc., and the That Sounds Fun Network that are using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in the database that are matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash sounds fun to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And now back to finish up our conversation with Richard and Brenda. There's a line from Learning Humility I'd love to read, and I would love for both of y'all to respond to this. Uh, I thought this was really beautiful. You said, our task, our only task, is to share the good news of Jesus as lover of our souls and the deliverer of sin-plagued human beings and allow the Holy Spirit to draw people into the kingdom of God based on this message alone. I better let Brenda talk about that. <laughs> well, I think that's that's a passion. That's a passion of mine. And I think, you know, I was just, as I was reviewing some of the book yesterday, getting ready, just getting my mind refreshed for this interview, um, one of the parts that I came across, which I, I so appreciate because I really think it's the crux of the whole book, is humility is how we were created to be. It's, it's who we're created to be. It's, it's, it's the natural place that God has for us. And when, and when we fall into pride and we fall into the other vices that kind of accompany pride, that, that's, it's from the enemy. That's not who we as, as God's people were created to be by our Creator. And I think it's only when we can enter into that place of humility before Him with our eyes on Him and not on ourselves that He's allowed to form in us that heart that is for yeah. the world, that is for the world that He loves, that's for people in this world He loves who are not yet with him, who don't yet know him, who aren't walking with him, who aren't, who don't know their creator in the way that they they were created yes. to know him and to love him and to worship him and to bring glory to him, not to ourselves and not to the things of this world, but but to him. Mm-hmm. It's all for him. But until we are in that place that he created us to be, which is a place of humility, so that we can truly set our eyes on him, yes. I don't think that we can develop that heart of love for the world. And see, Brenda is a wonder, I mean, this will embarrass her, but a wonderful living example of you you walk with God receiving this message of the love of God that forms the heart. It purifies the heart and renews the mind. And she exemplifies that so well. Mm. And the passage you read, Annie, um, she's a living example of it. Wow. 
Brenda, what better compliment? Is there is there uh, any better compliment? <laughs> thank you, Richard. I you know of course it's it's just the life of Christ that what, what can we you know attribute it to but the life of Christ yeah. in us that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking this morning, we know we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. And that's the place we want to be. We, we want it to be His life in us, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Very good. Yes. Richard, so do you feel like you have new, different, deeper thoughts on humility after this year with the Lakota mm. calendar, after you've written the book, um, long before the book was published, were you changed by focusing on that one attribute, that one virtue, just by focusing on it for a year? Of course, I need to let other people answer that question. What I can say is that things that used to drive me I just let go and other things uh, begin to rise up Uh, think of uh, these wonderful words of Frederick Faber only to sit and think of God oh what a joy it is to think the thought to breathe the name, earth has no higher bliss. And to begin to want that, you know? And that's something that is beyond ourselves. God plants these desires in us, and we learn to respond. Mm -hmm. We learn the uh, movements of the Spirit and to track with that. Well, I'm uh, 42, so I would love, Richard, will you tell me what you know about Jesus now that you didn't know in your 40s? Oh, oh my goodness. I, yeah, I'm 80, so, you know, I'm almost double. Yeah. <laughs> I learned, I learned that Jesus is the great increaser of life in the soul, in the heart, in the mind, and that as I track with that, as I learn the rhythms of the Spirit, that I can live with perfect calmness of heart and mind and spirit, and I can walk, I, I learn to walk with God. Well, I am I am very excited for our friends to get to read Learning Humility. As as I told you, it is totally oh messed my. with me in the best way. So it is messed with me. It is it has brought out some beautiful things uh, that I get to work on. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm grateful. If we had time, I would talk to you about Jesus for 30 more minutes, only because I I think so many of our friends listening are in their twenties, thirties, forties and want to know what the rest of life with God looks like and what it looks like to point towards spending life with God. So before I even ask you the last question, Brenda, I'd love for you and Richard to both answer like, what's the vision for living all of your life with God? What's the reason for our friends in their 20s and their 30s to end up being 80, still studying humility or to end up, you know, like how? what does it look like? (laughs) 
Why is that a yes for y'all? Why should that be a yes for our friends in their 20s and 30s to keep pursuing God for the rest of their life? Well, I'll go first. Um, we, we were in my Bible study with, with some women this morning. We were talking about Moses this morning, we, and we're, we're studying Hebrews. And I was remembering how when I, I wrote character profiles for the Renovari Bible, yeah. um, which is called the Life with God Bible, and when I wrote the piece on Moses, I was really struggling with the fact that Moses didn't get into the promised land. Mm. And I was really kind of wrestling with God about that, that that wasn't really fair. After all Moses went through, it wasn't really fair that he didn't get to go into the promised land. And I felt like God, um, as I studied Moses and his life with God and his walk with God and how close he closely he walked with God, I felt like the Lord showed me that his closeness to God was his reward. And the fact that he didn't make those few feet over the river into the promised land really wasn't such a punishment for him because he got the biggest reward, which was walking with God and learning from God and, and just being near to God more and more through that journey, through the desert that, that he experienced. Mm. Um, and that, I've never forgotten that, that to have a life like Moses, it's, it's, not, it's not always about the outward rewards that we want in life. It's, it's not really about that at all. It's mm. about walking with God. Yeah. And I think if, if we can walk with Him, if we can know Him, if we can continue to grow in our knowledge of who God is and our our closeness to Him through our life and just increase that until the day we die, I don't know that we would ever have any regrets about anything yeah, else. Yeah, Exactly. And we need to ask, what other options do you have? Right. Where else would we go, right? That's what Peter said. Because, Where else would we go? Yes. You have the words of life, yes. he added. Yes. So that's a good reason to keep on, because that sinking down into the light of Jesus Christ until we can become comfortable in that posture, uh, and it gives great joy. Uh, It's a life, as Paul puts it, of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm for that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Yes. Okay, you guys, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, I would love to know what you do for fun. So, Brenda, will you tell us what you do for fun, and then Richard can tell us what he does for fun? Well, I've got three sons, and we I have a great time following them along in all of their activities. They're super busy, and they're into sports and fishing and being outdoors. And so I just, of course, anytime I'm with my boys, it's great. Yeah. And my husband. So we spend a lot of time outdoors. I just went on a river cruise with my mom and my sister, and we had a wonderful time on the Mississippi River. Um, I, just, I, just, I like to be outside, and I like walking, and I, I actually love reading, too. Yeah. So Colorado is a good place to be for being outside. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It is. Let me tell you a quick story, Annie. Yes. This was some, year, some years back. A dear lady who'd been a missionary for many years, and uh, she'd gone through some pretty deep waters. And I went to see how she was. A friend of hers had died and all of that. And uh, uh, 
She was, when I went in, she was making one of those, what is it, stitchery, cruel work, or that spells things out. Yes. She was stitching that. And uh, I said, where'd you get this? Oh, a few days ago, she says, the Lord spoke to me. <laughs> and she was writing down what she felt God said to her. And what she wrote down was, fun ahead, saith the Lord. Wow. <laughs> and she used the old English saith. Yes. I thought that was cute. Yes. Fun ahead, <laughs> saith the Lord. That's right. So, uh, like Brenda, I do uh, like to hike, and uh, I do a lot more of it by myself these days, but that's okay. Yeah. That's good, too. Yeah. Uh, because I make, there's plenty of friends there. Uh, and the animals, and uh, so that's that's fun ahead. Yeah, saith the Lord. Saith the Lord, mm-hmm. um, Richard. If it, you're welcome to say no to this, but if you wouldn't mind, would you pray for our listeners to end the show, and just pray that mm. for humility, for whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, would you mind praying for our listeners? Lord, we're so glad to be here to talk together to think about this wonderful gifting of the spirit, the humility of heart that allows us to let go of our need to control the world. Thank you that that can be so. Now for every person listening, bring a deep sense of your presence, your love, your care. Surround them with your light of protection. Cover them with your blood. Seal them with your cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, you guys, aren't they just the best? Isn't it incredible to hear from Richard Foster? Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, just the wisdom and the pace. Did you notice? Like, he just thinks before he speaks, which is something we all wish I would do. So you guys, grab a copy of Learning Humility. I really think you're going to love it. I mean, like, it's one of those that makes you really realize who you want to be. And so I think you're going to love reading it. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Towns on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is seeing my nephew. I get to see him tomorrow. I cannot wait. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here on Thursday with my dear friend, Shannon Martin. See you then. Yeah.